From Times Square in the heart of New York City, this is the Business, Management, and Employees Podcast, where we explore challenges and opportunities for today's business owners and managers. Now to our host, CEO of Paragon Partners East, Thomas Hart. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today on the Business Management and Employees Podcast. This is your host, Tom Hart. We have a very special guest, one of the top financial advisors in all of New York City and one of the top in the Northeast. We also have a survey that was done by Glassdoor that is very interesting that discusses the differences in what employees want and what employers think they want. And it might surprise you, the results. And then we're going to wrap up the show by discussing how you or your business can start a retirement benefit plan for your employees. And so to assist us with today's episode, we have Ryan Ackerholt. Thanks for having me, Tom. So why don't we give everybody a little bit of your background and how you became the great success that you are? Sure, and I appreciate that. Um, Well, I've been an advisor now for 16 years. I built Strategic Alliance Advisors, a financial advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, in New York, New York, Manhattan. Uh, Prior to building a successful group at Ameriprise for the last couple of years, I had been one of the top advisors in the country at two other major firms. And, And, you know, this experience really allowed me to become extremely skilled in analysis, financial planning, and especially asset management. My career began prior at a large life insurance company where I worked for almost four years. I gained a vast knowledge of pensions, retirement plans, annuities, and of course, life insurance. So with all of this vast knowledge and experience, I decided to build my own practice. Ameriprise seemed like a good place, gave me the right resources and support, and, and allowed me to build such a practice. Like I stated before, we're going to go into some of the basics and then we're going to move on to the survey. But let's dive into how retirement benefits, or especially 401ks, how they start. Give us some of the history about it. History of 401ks, huh? Well, the first company private pension, believe it or not, was by the American Express Company in 1875. Was it really? It was. You know, that's probably why I love my American Express. I I mean, I I just charge everything on it, but this is not a plug for American Express, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, you should probably get paid on that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, By 1919, there were over 300 private company pension plots. It wasn't, however, until around 1974 that ERISA was formed And what that did was provide more rules to the retirement system, specifically of which in 78, the Revenue Act of 78 established the Qualified Deferred Compensation Plan, i.e. 401k plans. So this was when it allowed employees for the first time to defer pre-tax compensation for retirement. It established rules like the withdrawal age being 59 and a half and separation from service and many other rules as well. You mentioned all those rules, and I know this is a very broad and regulated spectrum, so it gets very complex. How does a 401k vary from other retirement tools? Okay, so 
The world of retirement is enormous, um, so I will try to break this out for everybody. There's really three different categories of plans. There are IRA-based plans, defined contribution plans, and the defined benefit plan. So it's necessary to work with a skilled advisor like myself to choose what the right plan is for your goals. So you want a plan that can balance the costs and the maintenance with the benefits that it provides. So in determining the correct plan with an advisor, you want to address questions. How willing are you, if at all, to contribute for your employees? Is the ease of setup and administrating of great importance to you? Allowing employees to contribute? And of course, the limits of what you can put in. And I'm sorry, we will go over later in the podcast how the things are set up and the administrative costs and all that. Sure. So it really depends on your goals, as well as I mentioned, the willingness to contribute for your employees, which in certain plans is tax deductible. And costs, of course, is what needs to be discussed as well. So through a defined benefit plan, for example, an employer can personally potentially tax defer over $200,000 a year, but in that instance needs to balance the cost and what they need to potentially contribute for their employees, which could be high as well. IRA-based plans are typically the least expensive and maintained, however, are typically more limited on what you can put in and how flexible they are. Each person is in fact establishing their own account managed by themselves or with an advisor. So this category includes something you might have heard of like a SEP IRA or a simple IRA. There are many differences even between each that need to be discussed. Uh, The defined contribution plan offers more contribution and flexibility, but are typically more expensive to maintain. This is that world of the 401k and other things like profit sharing plans. Lastly, the category I mentioned defined benefit plans. With this, it offers participants a predetermined benefit. They're funded by the employer, they require additional maintenance, but allow for the employer to put away additional funds, which can be large. It's a great summary you gave of everything, and obviously these plans, I'm sure if we discuss these plans in depth, this podcast would be 15 hours long. It would. Yeah. (laughs) Whether you're dealing with any of these plans or specifically a 401k, what can an employee do in regards to working with these plans besides just saving money for retirement? Well, the timing of this podcast is interesting. As of the CARES Act for the year 2020, um, it allowed individuals to be able to withdraw from plans for an assortment of reasons. You know, the the act has allowed a variety of limit changes, accessibility. So I I think for this conversation, however, we're going to just address the traditional ways you can access without penalty. Uh, So retirement benefits are, of course, meant to be saved for retirement, first and foremost. One can access the funds prior without penalty for certain reasons. So let, let's, let's address those, some of those reasons. One reason, educational purpose. So this means it can be used for books, tuition, 
our other needs, and this can be for you, your spouse, your children, your grandchildren. But one needs to know that with the 401k or other plans, this is not the case. It may be considered a hardship withdrawal, and if, if allowed, you would still potentially have that penalty though. Which again, each plan is set up differently, and it would be necessary for you to consult your specific plan, and an advisor always helps. So that's number one. Wait, I'm sorry, real quick. So a good advisor would help guide people through that, like what you were just discussing. They would refer to their advisor and they would guide them through that. Are there bad advisors that don't really assist people with this? I mean, have you heard of that in your industry? I mean, I would say every industry has good and bad. It's knowledge-based. And it's like anything, a good or a bad lawyer, a good or a bad doctor, health, health benefits. I mean, you, you seem pretty good. I, I value you. Why, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but as far as, you know, success is knowledge and who you partner with and partnering with good accountants as well and other professionals to make sure people are doing the right thing. Okay. And so let, let's keep moving forward. Go ahead. So that was so education was one. A second way to access is for is for a first time home purchase. You may have heard of this, and that's specifically for an IRA. You can use ten thousand dollars for your first time home purchase. But again, other plays other plans may not. So you have to address your plan. Thirdly, that's that's not as well known. Medical expenses or insurance. With an IRA, over 10% of unreimbursed medical expenses over your adjusted gross income can be withdrawn without penalty. With a 401k, over 7.5% adjusted gross income. It's a formula. Speak with the advisor. Make sure that you withdraw the right amount that you're allowed to if this is the case. Another, another reason you can is, for example, a court order. This could be regarding family circumstances, child support, divorce, but it can be done. Lastly, another, another way you can withdraw is through what's called a series of substantially equal periodic payments, or IRS Code 72T. What this means is you can access a specific amount which you'll be required to withdraw as a series of payments over a five-year period. The specific amount is a calculation based on your age and the size of the account. Again, a formula. You speak with your advisor and make sure that if this makes sense, it's the right amount and done properly. And then your advisor is gonna be the one that determines that five-year period on exactly when it starts, when it's over, and. How that whole thing works, correct? They go over the formula with you and make sure that everything is working efficiently. Okay, so it's not like you're just blindly trusting somebody when you're doing this. They would a correct advisor or a good advisor would sit down and provide the formula. Your advisor, as well as well as a tax accountant, would be a good resource. Gotcha. And and those are some of the main ways that you can withdraw. So I'm going to bring up the 500-pound elephant in the room, or really the country, is that a lot of millennials have 
massive amounts of student debt, which kind of really worried me about the economy as a whole. But can millennials or anybody with a tremendous amount of student debt utilize these retirement benefits in order to benefit them? Well, Tom, as I just mentioned, numerous ways you can withdraw from the with from the retirement world without penalty. Um, as you know, and as you heard, student debt was not one of those ways. But in some retirement plans, such as a 401k, they do allow for loans to be taken from the plan. The participant can borrow up to a limit from their balance. So as long as your 401k has this provision, they can borrow against their plan to pay off their other debts or needs, and student debt can be one of them. So a reason that somebody would be doing this is to withdraw from their 401k, pay off their student debt, and this way they're not paying the interest rate on it, correct? It would be one way to avoid the interest. At the same time, you could potentially be losing market performance that you'd be otherwise having in the retirement plan. All right, uh, let's move on to the survey. A survey conducted by Glassdoor called the Employee Confidence Survey. For those of you who don't know Glassdoor, it's a website where current and former employees anonymously review companies, view salaries, and businesses can post employment openings. So they do the survey about what benefits employees want, and there is some fascinating data. 79% of the employees would prefer new or additional benefits to a pay increase. Surprise me. More women, which was 82%, than men, of 76% of them, prefer benefits or perks to a pay raise. Younger employees aged 18 to 34 and 35 to 44 prefer benefits or perks to pay raises when compared to those aged 45 to 54 and 55 to 64. Those are the groups. When the survey asked employees, the top two benefits requested are health insurance and a 401k match. When it comes to the total workforce, whether they prefer health insurance versus a 401k, it's dead even. Millennials, it was close to 401ks coming out on top with 48% to 47%. With Generation X, a whopping 63% preferred health insurance over 401ks to 54%. And baby boomers also prefer the 401k, 71% to 67%. Keep in mind, with multi-select questions, the number of respondents may exceed the number of participants, which can cause the response percentage to exceed 100. So when you hear us say 71% to 67%, that's what's going on there. You're not going crazy. Then the survey went on to ask employers. I thought this was very interesting. And there was a big discrepancy from what the employees actually wanted. When asked which benefits were most important to a majority of employees, 95% of the employers said health care while 71% of the employers said retirement benefits. So based on this survey, both employees and employers both agree that healthcare and retirement are the two most significant benefits to offer. But let's start off with why do you think millennials and baby boomers prefer retirement benefits over health insurance? Um, you know, I, I'd have to think that baby boomers have an interest in retirement as they're nearing or at retirement. 
So they see the value of savings and compounding growth. The fact that they are able to systematically put away their savings into an investment vehicle to accumulate pre-tax is very valuable to them and everyone. Their potential, and they also have potentially have a higher tax liability at an elderly age as opposed to previous in their life. Now, millennials, I believe, are part of a generation of young adults very exposed now to the world of investing. They're offered multiple websites and avenues to invest in, and it's much more common now for them to do so, I feel, as opposed to before. On the other end of that, because we do have about a 9% gap with Generation X, and Generation X prefers medical benefits. Hmm. What do you think that is? Well, Generation X employees potentially have young families. So they're concerned with their family's welfare, of course, and health care being of the utmost importance. So this might take a precedence for them over savings. One, I agree with everything you just said. I mean, it, it seems logical. I mean, unfortunately, we'll never know an exact answer to this because it's such a broad spectrum. You need more surveys like this interesting one that you just supplied. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to give you a pen and paper and you can start walking around when you're not working. <laughs> I, I'm into it. All right. I mean, one of the big things here, because this podcast is for employers, the gap between employers and employees, and you know a lot of employers listen to this podcast. So it's interesting at how majority of employers say, hey, my employees want medical benefits. Whereas on the employee side, we're actually seeing something quite different where it's really based off their age on the value of retirement benefits and how two massive generations in the workforce right now prefer retirement benefits. Well, I think that an employer might value offering the health care over that of a 401k. They might feel that it is more of a necessity for the employee as opposed to a benefit. Individuals themselves can also at the same time put money aside on their own through vehicles such as a four, uh, an IRA rather. They don't need the employer-sponsored plan. However, it would allow them to put much more away pre-tax than they could on their own. And they are both significant benefits. Going into the realm of almost conspiracy theory slash marketing. You know, insurance companies have a tremendous amount of money and they do a tremendous amount of marketing. Do you think that employers feel that their employees prefer health insurance because of marketing for, of the health insurance companies versus financial firms? I, I think that there's an equal motivation there. I, I, and I mean that between insurance companies as well as financial firms in offering their products. Both can provide great value to the company and both can attract talented employees as a result with these benefits. I think both insurance companies and financial firms are, are both motivated to motivate the employer. Would it be fair to assume that many more Generation X employees prefer medical insurance because they are more dependent or plan on being dependent on Social Security? Hmm. I don't think that Generation X are counting on Social Security more so than millennials. And the reason I'm thinking that is, if anything, 
millennials are just less aware of the issues and ongoing controversy pertaining to the social security system's possible misalignment. It's just not as common uh, of a conversation to them, I would think. In regards to this, I deal with medical benefits and ancillary benefits. You deal with retirement benefits. Would you be willing to duel to the death to decide which one is more important? (laughs) I would win, and I appreciate the duel. All right, you wish. (laughs) Let's move on to, I'm the employer. I'm looking at setting up retirement benefits for my employees. What are the initial steps or initial costs? Well, the first step is contacting a skilled financial advisor in order to determine the appropriate retirement savings plan. As we previously discussed, there's many plans, there's many products, and and it needs to be figured out which one is most suitable for you. Do all these plans have setup fees or maintenance fees? How does that work? Like throughout the year, me as an employer, am I going to have to pay for this on top of contributions? So depending on the plan and the product chosen will determine the setup and maintenance costs. An IRA-based plan will potentially have less setup costs than a 401k, for example. The investment company or vehicle, however, chosen for you in each type, however, will determine the potential maintenance expenses. So not only are you comparing between the types of plan, you are also comparing between the product within the plan. And this is, again, is why it's so important to have a thorough conversation. Let's say that it's set up, you set up my 401k, I'm contributing to my employees. What would be the average contribution from an employer to a 401k plan? Well, there's no typical contribution. This is solely up to you, the employer. With a 401k plan, the employer can decide whether they want to match and contribute to their employees' plans or not. In 2021, the cap for employer contributions is actually $58,000 or 100% of eligible compensation, whichever is lower. It's 64500 if the employee is 50 years or older. Any benefit that you offer employees is going to minimize turnaround. You know, turnaround's... Sure with costs of training new employees, hiring new employees. I mean, it's, it's a nightmare. It's a benefit. Yeah, so offering any benefits going to help. Yeah. Do you know what percentage retirement accounts decrease employee turnaround? Well, it's hard to give an actual percentage, obviously, um, as far as difference of turnover when relating to the employee's benefits. I will say, however, that it is an, it is an important aspect in planning for your company's growth. It's a way of attracting and rewarding valued employees as well as keeping your employees motivated and content. So now that I've been contributing to the 401k, it's set up, everything's good to go. I have an employee and we've all had them. You've had them. I've had them. After several years, they decide they want to leave. What happens to the 401k then? Well, with the 401k, For example, when an employee leaves the company, they're able to keep the funds in the plan or roll over their vested balance within the plan to another plan. Their own personal contributions are 100% vested, 
Whereas the plan could be set up so that you, the employer, with your contributions, have a vesting schedule. This can motivate your employees to stay longer with your company. You know, one of the quick things I do like about retirement plans, it seems like it's one of those more of a a transparent benefit. Because I was discussing to one of my clients the other day, they were having an issue with their employee. And the problem is with some of the employees is that at the end of the year, they forget about all their benefits. They forget about everything that you give them as an employer and they just look at their salary and they say, this is what I'm worth to the company. And we offer, it's a great HRIS system where when employees log into it, they see the employer contribution to the medical benefits. So they could see actually every month on how much am I really worth to my employer. Now, in regards to retirement plans, they're going to see their contributions right away, correct? Correct. So it's like a great reminder for employees like, hey, it's not just my salary. And I can literally see right away how much my employer is contributing to me. I mean, it's a great benefit to offer, really. And the data that we went over is pretty amazing on how everything differs. But I mean, is there anything else you'd like to say to anybody? Well, I just wanted to add, you know, I guess that you know, with the help of the advisor, myself or someone else, we can help customize the suitable retirement plan to help fit your needs and your goals. Not everybody's interested in doing certain things or contributing or not, or, or costs may mean more to you than others. And, and that's where we all figure it out. You can reach me or a member of my team at 212-759-2107. Alternatively, you can find and contact me at www.strategicalliancedvisors.com. Happy to help. Um, And as we mentioned, the regulators and disclosures necessary in my industry, I'll just add, Ameriprise Financial Inc. and its affiliates do not offer tax or legal advice. Consumers should consult with the tax advisor attorney regarding their specific situation. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Got through it, baby. <laughs> I'm assuming they made you say that. That's like a regulation thing, correct? Oh, it's a regulated industry. <laughs> now, one more quick question before we go. Where do you live if somebody wants to show up to your house? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I have yeah. a beautiful office in Midtown East Manhattan and happy to sit with everyone and see the beautiful New York skyline. What, what are the cross streets? It's on 48th and 3rd. It's a high floor. We have a beautiful view of the Chrysler and Empire and uh, it's breathtaking. So there you got it. If you want to reach out to one of the top financial advisors in New York City, give him a call, shoot him an email, visit his website, and you could even go to his office and sit with him and he'll happily go over everything with you. This is Tom Hart signing off. We have a great podcast for next month and have a good one.